Hello, good day, and welcome to Party in China, Series 2, Episode 22. I'm Party Parslo, and this episode commences in the final week or so before either my working visa would be approved or I would be removed. When Summer told me that I was required to work at the school Halloween party, I told her that Halloween was next week. Anyway, I wouldn't be in Ganyu on Halloween, or China for that matter, as I'd be in Kyoto for my son's wedding. Furthermore, that was the day my Z visa ran out. She listened patiently, nodding and smiling, and then explained that the party was to be held that same night, and I was to report to the school at 5.30. I told her that Halloween was next week, mounted the, the Ganyu Ganyu flash. flash and rode off to the much-hated Ganyu Foreign Languages School. If I had given any thought at all to my backhanding the abusive student there, it was about the insult done to me, not the assault I'd done to him. In my lunacy, the only thing I thought I'd done wrong was perhaps not hitting him hard enough. I arrived, was given my roster, and went searching for my first classroom. That was the one good thing about GFLS. All the signs were in Chinese characters only, so I was forced to get better at deciphering them. As I approached several clumps of students congregating at the top of a staircase, your mother rang out from one clump and I barged into them, knocking them flying in all directions. But I couldn't be sure of the culprit, so merely threatened them all and continued up the stairs. One flight up, the same thing was yelled from within a classroom I was passing. I paused, then continued passing, stormed back to Aston in a rage, and yelled that I would never go back to that school again. A couple of hours later, back at that school again, I accepted the apologies, via Summer's translation, of both the principal and a student who'd admitted to yelling the profanity from within that classroom. Both looked like they feared physical retribution, which made me feel a bit calmer. Not that I could have been described as calm. In the intervening hours, Ronna, Summer and Emmy had all spent time speaking soothingly to me and fetching me plastic cups of hot water. Referring to the Weird Shears passport photo fiasco, Emmy said she'd never seen me so angry before. Ronna said she'd never seen anybody so angry before. The GFLS principal, via Summer, assured me that at the next morning's assembly, every student would be made aware that another incident would result in immediate expulsion. Although I had to teach Summer that word in English. I therefore declared that if I returned at all, it would be after that assembly and warning, and left. In a way, it was good that they'd made me come back, because I'd stomped off in such high dudgeon, I'd left the The Ganyu Flash 
chained to a pole outside KFC. I offered to double Summer back to Aston, but she wisely said she'd walk and suggested that I spend the rest of the day at home quietly so I'd be calm for the Halloween party that night. I told her that Halloween was next week. <coughs> of course, with the raucous rooster beneath my balcony, quietly was not an option. I spent the afternoon either watching the other teachers and various hangers-on, laughing and skylarking as they decorated the school with garish Halloween paraphernalia, or over on the other side of the apartment, dropping rubble onto the chicken's cage. As ordered at 5.30, I reported for duty at the premature Halloween party and was offered a variety of crappy costumes. But there was no way any of them could come close to fitting on me. So I merely donned a black cape with scarlet lining and tried to look like a vampire. I later saw several students with the same cape as part of a Zorro outfit. But not one had ever heard of the fox so cunning and free. They just liked the costume. I sang them the whole theme song from the TV show anyway. Those lucky kids. At first, there were very few attendees, and the blaring Chinese disco music made it impossible to speak to anybody who was there. So it was all very boring for an hour or so. Then 70 or 80 students from GFLS showed up, and it became clear that the party wasn't actually for our own students. It was a recruitment exercise. Summer asked me to read the history and traditions of Halloween from the projector screen. Although delighted to do anything which would temporarily cease the horrible music, I explained that the slide came from a Chinese website and was quite inaccurate. I proposed that I should teach the kids the true meaning of Hallow's Eve, explain witches and warlocks and familiars and spells and bubble bubble toil and trouble and all souls day and jack-o'-lanterns and she interrupted maybe just read from the screen please i told her that halloween was next week after a while i was made judge of the best costume competition and sat behind a table in the centre of the lobby. The kids entered six at a time, strode or danced around in a circle, then struck a dramatic pose when the music stopped. As more than two-thirds were still in school uniform, plus a masquerade mask which they'd picked up at the door on the way in, scoring seemed irrelevant. So if they walked in successfully, I gave them six out of ten. If their vogue was overly dramatic or funny, I gave them seven or eight. And anyone actually in a costume automatically scored nine. Next, we went outside to the playground slash car park where some plastic jack-o'-lanterns were half filled with black magnetic letters. Teams were to grab the correct letters to spell Halloween, run to a whiteboard and assemble the word as many times as possible 
while avoiding wandering zombies. I was one of the walking dead. And I'm reasonably sure my performance was the best vampire zombie in a Zorro cloak seen in those parts for a generation. In fact, some had doubled up with laughter and called out that I looked like a real zombie. That made no sense at all, but I'll take praise wherever I can find it. Many, many times that night, a student would run up to me and cry, trick or treat. As it was obvious I had no treats, they were there solely for the trick. My cape was yanked or thrown over my head. My arms were punched. Somebody kicked me in the ass. Such fun. One tall senior girl who'd been a good student in my class before tried to hide behind me as she'd stolen the white top hat of an unidentified character. Well, unidentified to me, but you might know him. He was also wearing a white cape and one half of a set of white spectacles. So he was wearing a spectacle, I suppose. I say she tried to hide behind me because she was wider than I was. He seemed to have been chasing her for a while. He was out of breath and leant on my shoulder as she sprinted away once more. She is fat, he told me bitterly, perhaps unaware that that made his inability to catch her even more humiliating. I thought that perhaps she fancied him and had stolen his hat in some sort of flirtatious gameplay. But it seems that it was me she had her eye on as she insisted on making conversation. Do you like Western food? Yes, of course. I love Western food. Yes, I can tell. I eat KFC every day. Well, what a surprise. I think you're cute. I think you're suffering from diabetic blindness. The night dragged as slowly as a murdered corpse towards a shallow grave, but eventually there was the awarding of cheap prizes, the taking of dozens of photos, the shaking of hundreds of hands, the waving of a hundred more, the avoidance of a goodbye kiss from the fat girl, and it was finally over. Summer said, Happy Halloween party! I told her that Halloween was next week. My son's wedding was a low-key affair in the town hall of Kyoto. Or so I'm told. I wasn't there as the visa paperwork had been delayed. So I packed up everything I owned when Summer told me that she'd changed my flight to the following day as Rona was chasing up the necessary documents in Shanghai and would be back with them around midnight. I'd seen Rona that morning, and there'd been no mention of the 15 or 16 hour round trip, which she was making on my behalf. When I pointed out that my current visa expired at midnight, Summer just smiled and nodded, which by now I knew meant she didn't want to talk about it. And since my passport 
was necessarily with the paperwork in Shanghai, I had no choice but to wait. My rescheduled flight from Shanghai the next day wasn't until 7.30 in the evening, but the only bus to Shanghai left at 7.30 in the morning. So I had several hours to kill and spent them hiding out from the PSB in a pub. They'd never think to look for me there. Oscar's is an actual pub, not just a bar, with Guinness on tap as well as tasty European and tasteless American beers, pool tables, a dartboard, excellent pub lunches. It was great. The only Chinese faces in Oscar's belonged to the owner and barmaid. He just grunted at me. But her English was phenomenally good and I was having such a good time I considered missing my plane. I'd already missed the wedding. But I hadn't seen my son for ages and he told me that I would love Japan. And then I got to Japan and I loved it. It wasn't so much culture shock as culture pleasant surprise. Osaka airport was efficient, spotlessly clean, Everybody was polite and helpful. Not a single person spat. I made my way via a couple of tidy, quiet, fast trains and emerged from the Namba subway station to thousands of drunk people in bizarre clothing. Now, I'm Irish and I'm Australian and my name is Party, but so many spec spectacularly inebriated, costumed fun lovers was a first for me. Every road and alley swarmed with happy, inebriated vampires, zombies, witches and sexy nurses. I thought perhaps the whole city was having a fancy dress party before remembering that Halloween was this week. I wandered off in what I thought was the direction of Sinsai Bashi. It wasn't, but I didn't mind thanks to the ever-changing street theatre. These people were maggoted. Men lay passed out in uncomfortable positions on cafe tables and car bonnets. Women knelt, faces pressed against the cool of a shop window, head down, arse up, displaying their tiny white knickers apparently hoping to either avoid or recover from regurgitation. People were singing, dancing, laughing. Karaoke blared from most of the doorways. After stopping in a couple of non-karaoke places to ask for directions, after asking for a drink first, usually a pint of Guinness, I eventually found my accommodation. B and S Eco Cube. Years before, I'd seen Japanese capsule hotels on a Clive James travelogue, designed for the busy yet frugal business traveller who has no need of a proper hotel room. Each guest is assigned a tube, which contains a mattress, linen, a tiny TV and radio, and a small shelf. Online, my hotel was described as quiet and comfortable, so I soon knew what the B and S stood for and sh I was assigned a luggage locker 
which was too small for my bag, a shoe locker, which was too small for my boots, and a bathrobe, which was too small for any part of me. I felt that I wasn't getting my money's worth until I remembered that my money was only worth 19 Australian dollars a night. Males and females are segregated, so I don't know if theirs are nicer, but ours were pretty bloody ordinary. The capsules are arranged on either side of a long room like bunk beds in a dormitory, with one row above the other. I was given a lower pod, which meant I had to get on my hands and knees and drag my luggage and boots in with me. There was no door, only a blind, and after flying as far in as I could go, my feet still stuck out a bit. Every other guest who stumbled in after me was unquestionably pissed out of his brain. The long night started with belches and progressed to snores with loud fishy farts. In the morning, I reversed the entry process, dragging luggage, boots and clothing behind me until my feet hit something soft but firm. I couldn't go straight backwards, so had to kind of roll out sideways. My opposite number had been so blitzed, he hadn't even managed to make it into his tube and was sleeping flat on the floor with his robe wide open. My sideways roll ended with my face only a couple of inches from his not very hairy testicles. Thank Christ he hadn't yet achieved his morning glory. The next episode of Party in China has been renamed Party in Japan. Brackets, Party may never be in China again. Close brackets. I'm Party Parslow. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Party in China. For more, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.